in, everyone. This is your brain on anime. You know, I was going to do a cutesy intro, but our topic today has sapped most of the joy out of my body. In short, Your Brain on Anime is a show where I introduce my hopefully still friend, Jesse to various anime from across the years in an attempt to get him to see why I am the way that I am and maybe understand some of my awful jokes in the process. Jesse, how are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. I guess like, I don't know. Uh, I guess I'm going to enter with thanks for having me if I'm going to be on every episode. So I got to keep that in mind. Yeah, you're you're uh, the co-host. You don't need to thank anyone for being here. You're, I you're do also part think of the that show. Specifically, that I should also not thank you after the anime we just watched uh, as well. It's fair. <laughs> so we watched an anime that some of you might be familiar with. This one was pretty big in the scene in the mid-aughts. It's called Elfenlead. So a little bit of backstory about my relationship with this show. This show was introduced to me when I was in my mid-teens, and I watched the first two episodes, was like, this is kind of badass, because again, I was a teenager and my brain wasn't fully formed. After watching, again, only two episodes, I proceeded to recommend this show to so many people. Now, I need to take this moment to publicly apologize to any person I ever recommended Elfin Lead to, I should have done this three years after watching those first two episodes when I watched the rest of the show and realized this is garbage and not the kind that I usually enjoy. So please accept my formal apology if you or a loved one has been harmed by my recommendation of Elfin Lead in the past. That recommendation has been rescinded officially. I don't know what you're talking about. I thought it was really good. You fucking lying piece of garbage. I will fight you. <laughs> oh well, my god. Anime, it's pronounced leeing, so don't don't you know don't get it <laughs> Um no, I thought it was really interesting. There's some there's some really interesting choices as far as like personifying some of the uh, you know chaos of reality. I really thought that that they uh, did a re- they did a really good job with that actually. I thought the sensory overload that was introduced was uh really good. That is okay. A that's enough. I got as far as I felt like I needed to. I got I feel like I got a real reaction out of you from me saying something that you know positive about it. There are two things that have happened in my life before now that I thought were uh, extremely detrimental to my overall health. And without going into actually specific, you know, family drama, one of those times was accidentally inhaling chlorine while trying to help wash my grandma's pool and having no idea how <laughs> to do it. And the breath left my body for almost a good 30 seconds i would say like i remember sitting there going to inhale and thinking oh i was too close to the to the you know the mixture and as i sat there writhing on the ground trying to you know let air back into my body i thought i really gotta you know trade carefully sometimes like you, you know you, you just kind of go do things w- without thinking about them and they're they're kind of dangerous and i remember finally getting the air and, and being like okay seems like everything's there if there's any damage i don't know because i walked it off because apparently that's something you can do when you're young to <laughs> walk off chlorine poisoning that's one of them that's one of the times that i thought was detrimental according to the show you can walk off just about anything so sometimes your legs walk off on their own apparently and uh let's see what would be the second one i gotta make sure that i have my my bit in order here oh eighth birthday party 
I ran into a no running sign. Socks on. Freshly <laughs> waxed bridge. Holy at the play shit. place. They served uh, my cake without me while I was getting stitches in my scarred forehead. There's now something new to add to that list of things that I feel like have affected me for for the for in a negative sort of direction. And that was watching this anime, specifically the decision to watch it while still under COVID vaccination. Get vaccinated, everybody. You should do it for yourself. Do it for everyone around you. Oh, absolutely, um, yes. And not being sure yet if the anime was really that aggressively dissonant to me or if there was the shot was doing some of the heavy lifting and i do believe the shot was doing a little bit of heavy lifting but sitting there through that opening combination of fun chemicals mine and the vaccine mixing in together with the visuals and the audio i made a face like i had just inhaled fresh chlorine again and i just i would say uh yeah that's not i don't i don't recommend doing that and the dumbest thing I've done since all three of those choices, here's number four, is after saying, I don't think I can watch any more of this anime, coming back the next day, a little bit brighter eyed and bushy tailed saying, you know what? I can do it. I can watch the rest of it. I'm a true. And, br- and then we watched the whole fucking thing. Regrettably. Yeah. Despite our best intentions, we watched the whole thing, which I think at this point we've proven our dedication to this show. For watching the entirety of Elfin Lead in under a week. That's a thing to do to somebody. I, I think I told you this early on. You either have to really like someone or really hate someone to have the second anime they watch in the anime education course be Elfin Lead. Yeah. Yeah. It it was a it was a choice. I agonized over it for a while. And ultimately I landed on you should know. You deserve to know how bad it can get. And Cognitive Dissonance really is the name of this show. By the way, before it fucking slips my brain, I just need to let you know, running headfirst into a no running sign is the perfect metaphor for Elfin Lead. Yeah, eighth birthday, I was I was getting chased by my version, I guess, of Lucy, just because it was a girl that I knew in eighth grade. And at, at that age, I mean... She may as well have had invisible hands. In your life, yeah. And I'm sure I turned mockingly, dropped, uh, you know, a very popular eighth grade catchphrase. Or, no, not eighth grade, because I was eight, so even younger. Eight-year-old catchphrase, which is, you can't catch me. No running sign got hands. <laughs> Incredible. I guess we move into the main portion, right? We can't, we can't delay the inevitable forever. We have to talk about Elfin Lead and not just around elfin lead as much as i think both of us would rather relive personal traumas than fucking mentally go back through this episode and or show entire show not just episode as much as neither of us would like to go through this entire show and walk down that memory lane we have to that's our solemn duty as keepers of this show the only thing i'll say there were things that i liked about it and and very few of them though i think could only be found in this anime i don't know obviously but there was a lot of things where i was like oh i like that i'm sure i could i'm sure that's like tropey or something it was fine there was a couple things that i did like about it it was hard to watch categorically but there were things that i did like about it. i don't want to ever come in here and saying that it's like uh this is a bad anime and if you like it you are also a bad person yeah i don't think that at all I don't think that anyone who enjoys this is a bad person. I'm just uh, saying try don't, other things. Yeah. I also don't think that it's, I don't think it's as 
bad as I thought it was when we first started is the other weird thing. You're right, though. There are parts about it that are really good. I think by the end of it, one thing that really like stuck in my brain and wouldn't let go is how much fucking work the background team was doing on this. The backgrounds in the show are fucking gorgeous and they are drawn so lovingly in order to like maximize the blood spatter contrast i yeah i I think i tend to agree with you there there was a lot of it was like almost like hey look over here anything else is more interesting we promise it was really pretty and there was some great shots lined up there was one shot that uh, like had me dying which was there was like a very like foreground character making a very um sort of common like i'm gonna hit the protagonist face you know draw (laughs) a certain way and then behind her was the protagonist i guess with you know huge eyes and that kind of thing and behind him was the most immaculately detailed grandfather clock i've ever seen detailed so well that that it felt like a third character in the scene and it was it was driving me insane because they were sort of almost ordered in order of least detailed to most and the grandfather clock was like you could see the patina on the wood you could see it was wild of time hilariously i think the grandfather clock was actually foreshadowing foreshadowing though when it's not so much of a shadow and more such entity that you can't possibly remove your eyes from because of how much screen it's taking up it's all right, we have to we have to talk about the content, right? So content warnings for this episode. I'm going to just go ahead and get these out there. There is going to be discussion about several uncomfortable topics. Our content warnings today include discussions of graphic violence, graphic violence against children, situations of physical and sexual assault, and animal cruelty. Those are things that happen in this show, and we're going to be touching on on their existence and some of the things that happen around and involving those topics. A fair warning, it's totally valid to skip this episode if that kind of stuff is deeply uncomfortable for you, and I encourage you to do so and take care of yourselves if that is the case. I, I think the only thing I would say specifically, because if we're worrying against content, is that if it's one of those things where like you are okay with those things, but you're like, oh, maybe I should see the anime before they talk about it. No, we're, we got you. Don't do it. Come yeah, here. You don't need to watch this. And if you want to, yeah, take take this the other direction, at least this time. If you still want to watch it after we talk about it, then at least we've done our due duty in saying, like, here, here's what to expect. I was blindsided completely. I'd only heard the name of this and had been mispronouncing it whenever I'd seen it. I knew nothing about it. I wish I'd known something about it because that or- original, that opening scene was just... Yeah, that opening scene is, like, it's aggressive. Let's talk about it. So this show kicks off with such a bang that I immediately remembered why super edgy, emotionally disturbed, and deeply depressed teenage me was immediately in love with the first episode of this show. Because in the opening minutes, a naked psychic girl with badass headgear just like rips through several dozen dudes. That's how this fucking show opens. And that's also not flowery description. It's she rips through scores of men. Yeah. That's the that's the descriptor. That is accurate. That there's no fat on that stake of a description. It's all me. And then the thing that I had not remembered, but that ended up being a sort of prelude 
for the entire rest of the show happens next, where we are introduced to a character who seems like the bumbling every person, cutesy comic relief character that you'd find in any other show. She stumbles into the carnage and promptly gets her fucking head ripped off, introducing us to the theme of the show which is casual cruelty. I mean, I got I got played by the moment for sure, because, again, I don't have a lot of... I mean, obviously, I've seen other forms of visual media, so yeah, there can be bait and switch and everything. But for someone who's, like, kind of used to the tropes more than the sort of bait and switch, I was just like, oh, okay, well, here's our character. That was, like, about the right time you to, like, kind of do a hard switch and be like, here's what's going on with the character, kind of introduce you to him. No, brutalized. Absolutely brutalized. I mean, we'll probably get into it a little bit, but the show felt really misogynistic very quickly. And that was one of the reasons. For some reason, the way she died, I felt sort of like, like, this, to me, was beyond sort of edgy, you know, well... (laughs) It's all edgy, but beyond it just like <laughs> it's edgy, edgy all the way down. Where I'm like, they're very, very quickly. You see that the the show's characters treat each other and especially women in a very, very negative way. Yeah, the show is. I wouldn't even say low key sexist. The show is straight up one of the most weirdly misogynistic pieces of media. And I don't mean that it's weird that it is misogynistic. I mean, the way in which it is misogynist is so bizarre. There's like a hyper-specificity to it that makes it wildly uncomfortable. No, I I, uh, I have a few different faces that I reserve for for reactions um, intentionally. One of the ones that's not usually intentional and is usually brought on me is something I refer to as horse jaw. Like, you know, when a horse smiles gums <laughs> and its teeth and it get pulled back. That usually happens when I have something spicy or good. That's that sometimes it's a negative. It's usually positive. But this one was sort of like I was I felt like I was pulling the skin against my face as hard as I could, just using the muscles in my face, nothing else. As if like the skin was trying to look away, but for the premise of what we're doing here, I couldn't. And it, it, I was just held in this sort of if any face was going to get stuck from me making it. It was that one. It's really fascinating, too, uh, that you mentioned that that moment in particular felt super misogynist because you're right. When she's tearing through all of the dudes, all the like nameless guards who we don't even get a late season flashback to their tragic histories. Because, of course, the woman who gets her head ripped off, she appears in a later flashback just to remind you that she was there and got her head ripped off. So anytime that one of the dudes gets ripped up, it's just a moment. And it happens and they're diced. You know, they're all of a sudden they are sashimi. And then with her, she like falls down. She has a moment of panic. And then she gets like lifted up. And you've got the the director of the project like begging Lucy not to kill her. And then her head gets fucking exorcist and then popped off. It's just, it's so mean. Yeah, I'm a... I don't know. It's funny because like, I feel like I'm coming out swinging. Like I'm like so sensitive about this, but I remember just specific, specifically looking at it and going like, "What is the, what is the uh, the d- director trying to tell us here?" Because it's telling me something kind of. It, it it was a little fucked up, and I think as the show went on, uh, it did very little to change my opinion on that. So what happens next? Lucy does her frankly iconic rampage through the facility which would then go on to be copied almost shot for shot by Stranger Things many years later. 
And this rampage ends when she gets to a cliffside. And rather than acknowledging that they are on a motherfucking island, they shoot her in the head with a sniper bullet, which she survives without so much as a scar, mind you, and ends up getting teleported to the nearby town through the power of cutaways. She she falls in the water, right? And then washes up? I fucking guess so. There's a lot of distance. There's enough distance that they need to use a motherfucking helicopter to get from point A to point B. But sure, that can happen, I guess. Maybe it's the horns on her head. Are they is is aquadynamics the actual is like as opposed to aerodynamics? Would that be? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Aquadynamics. Yeah, maybe they're more aquadynamically uh, sound, and it kind of let her know. I know. No, it's, uh, no. I've tried, and you know, I've tried every time that there was something that felt like either the inkling that there may be a, a more in depth thing going on here, or the, alternatively, the absolute absence of something deeper. I've still tried to be like, maybe it's this. And both you and the show continue to say, no. Yeah, no, there's <laughs> there's no more depth to this. You're giving this way too much depth. I tried. Yeah, you're doing your best. And I, I appreciate that. Then we have our introduction to our soon-to-be kissing cousins. It's done so casually, too. It makes it more gross, not less. You know, I don't even get, I don't care that we're recording. I don't even care. I'm going on the record here saying one of the least offensive things about this show was the, the cousin relationship. Yeah. One of the least offensive things about it. it. Legitimately. Like, I came out on the side of this going like, you know what? I could live. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's wild. Actually, the cousin thing was so minor in my brain by the end of it that I forgot to include that in the content warning section. That's, yeah. Yeah, not only is there that, I would also say it's so unnecessary and boring that it's criminal. Nothing of value is added by them being cousins. It's It's not risque. It's not interesting. Just how do we have guy near girl at time before? It couldn't be like, oh, he's visiting his grandparents and this is his local friend. That would be too difficult couldn't be you know the the, you know kids never interact with other kids that they don't know when they're visiting places right they're all just so isolated that it never happens and you couldn't run into oh my god i remember you when we were kids and now we're going to the same school yeah and we have to remind you that we're cousins every so often they spend a good bit of time talking about how they're cousins and about how Koda is going to be staying at the inn that yuka's family owns and doesn't use. Yuka's family is so fucking loaded. They have a spare ass in. This will become important later for an episode that I skipped to spare Jesse some fucking trauma ass bullshit. <sighs> and the show doesn't, is, the show's not even consistent with it. Like, don't get me wrong, I know an in can encompass multiple things, but they specifically refer to it as a restaurant at one point. Oh God, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into that, but like the uh, subtitles were just, someone gave up. People were just giving out left or right as this. The, the subtitles. The subtitles start off okay, and then by about the halfway point of the show, whoever's in charge of the subtitling is just like, "Eh, fuck it." Misspellings. I mean, I was going to give them shit for something specifically because I started using the phrase "inaudible." inaudible? <laughs> That's so lazy. Run that back. Let's hear what they said. Oh no, that shit was inaudible. So you know, that was not a point against them. But but everyone, I think, was checking out pretty quickly on this anime, and you couldn't. For the moments that were inaudible, they couldn't get the voice actors to do another take. Now we are introduced to our alleged protagonist, Koda, and his cousin, Yuka. Koda 
has amnesia, because of course he does. This is one of several amnesia plots that we will get throughout this show. Mind you, this is only a 13-episode anime. And then we also have Yuka, who is super obsessed with him romantically. And they find this naked amnesiac girl who can only say the word new and decide to adopt her. And I say, girl, she's the same age as them. Uh, but but the height is not consistent, so don't worry about that. If you were if you're listening, they're like, oh well, the ages that's so weird. Well, well, don't worry. The height of this character actually changes throughout the show. Yes, because she has two personalities. There's the personality of New, who is innocent and literally toddler like in her actions and her behavior and everything. She she can literally only say the word New, which is what they name her. Because they forget that the world does not run off of Pokemon rules. And there is Lucy, who is about a foot and a half taller than you for no reason. Same body, same person. Yeah. And it's funny because it's like, it's it's as if they were like, hmm, the uh, the infantile acting and and the voice, the voicing and, and that, no, that's not enough. Let's physically show her shorter so our viewers who who clearly i don't know if we were all in agreement that we weren't going to know what the fuck was going on or if they're like no this is really this is some real lofty stuff so let's give i'm them, 14 them this little, is deep yeah let's give them a little taste let's give them a little a little help okay when she's in the cat form where she's literally saying mew we're gonna help you out by making her actually shorter thanks it's unhinged is what it is there's a lot of gags about Coda ending up in compromising positions with Neo, which take up way too much of the runtime. It's about half of the first four episodes, which all culminates in, I think, my favorite domino of sequences in the first half of the anime. The moment of Coda getting caught accidentally groping Neo, followed by Yuka uttering the absolutely hilarious line of, do you ever think about touching my boobs, Coda? Followed by him admitting that he has amnesia of the summer they spent together as kids, followed by her fucking punching him in the mouth. The the cousin character, I don't think she ever really served a purpose in the the show. And and again, the, the whole time, it, she's she's like aware of his past trauma. So, yeah, she knows that he has amnesia from watching his family getting fucking dice in front of him. His sister got chopped up like a fucking onion. I don't think you should be knocking people in the head regardless. But I mean, I'm pretty sure there's something about not hitting people with head injuries. <laughs> both both fresh head injury and then of course amnesia i don't know if you can say that. that's not a, that's a response probably but it could also be yeah, yeah. for him it was a but, trauma but you don't hit the, the amnesia i don't think you i mean knocking sense into people is not really you know i don't think it's supposed to be literal yeah she's she her whole thing she i was so mad at her character the whole time to the point where I stopped being mad at her and was mad at the person who wrote her or directs. Because it's like, okay, you have literally just included this character with no personality traits other than I want to bang my cousin. And even that should be like a little bit of a like a spice. So that should be a little And it's the most, it's bland as shit. So it's like all it is is she's there to just be tropey, has no character development, has nothing else going on in her life. Other than being mad at her cousin for up until a certain point, nothing. I think the only 
plot purpose that she serves is in the finale, she technically instigates the actions of the last like 20 minutes purely by accident. But by not being there. Yes, yes, by not being there. Like, <laughs> it's specifically her absence. Most, the movement she introduces to the rest of the cast is by leaving. <laughs> yes, which, in fairness, is the theme of the first six or seven episodes. Every single episode is, oh no, where has this person gone? And then we run out and try to look for them and they run into people. That's the basic formula of this show because it's the only way they know to introduce characters to one another is having them literally bump into one another in public places. And 80% of the time, it's done by this character that eventually is introduced. Uh, We're the, about uh, to get to. Our loving, our lovingly uh, named homeless right. girl, Tumbleweed. Yes, yes, the homeless girl, Tumbleweed. So... After being adopted by Koda and Yuka, Niu ends up causing some minor chaos, breaks a seashell that Koda's sister, Koda's dead baby sister, gave to him, you know, eight years ago. There's a, a sequence of events. I and my brain is already actively trying to push Elfin Lead memories out of it. My memory of the early part of this of this anime is already fading. But Niu ends up leaving for reasons. Oh, right. I remember now. God, why is my brain like this? She goes down to the beach to try to find more seashells because she apparently has a concept of, of a beach, even though she has no other concept of other normal things. Why not? Her memory is elastic as the plot needs it to be, where she runs into a bounty hunter from the evil organization called Bondo. And Bondo is what if an anime director wanted to make Duke Nukem. God. That's his whole vibe. He literally, his introduction is him talking about how excited he is to kill people. And then he backhands a woman for, for being near him. And then he jumps out of a plane to go after Lucy with one dude. Are you a bad enough dude to shoot a child? Yeah, you're right. That's his character. <laughs> That is his character, yeah. It's wild. It's unhinged. So he finds Lucy, and he's like, oh, I heard you were a badass. Fucking fight me. Fucking fight me. And she doesn't because she's in her new form. And then his partner hits her on the head with the butt of his rifle, and that awakens Lucy, who chops him to bits, and she chases down Bondo and rips off his arm, breaks his other arm, pokes out his eyes, and then just, like, fucks off. She's killed everyone else she's run into at this point, by the way. There's one thing that I, I can't just, just sneak past here. I, I, I gotta return to it. Um... Okay. This is when uh, the show showed me that it was worth coming back to, to watch a little bit more. Bond has got his whole thing figured out. He's like, I know how far she can reach with her powers. I know exactly how she works. I'm going to keep myself at a certain range. Oh, right. This shit. <laughs> to get the one up on her. So he's doing it. He's like making notes of it, getting positioning. He's like, if you you can't get me if you're not close enough, whatever. It's a very anime-ass fight. And I think it's the one of two that we get in the entire series. Exactly. And I mean, and, and he's also sort of forgetting the part where if she can move quickly enough, that wouldn't matter. But that, that's yeah. better than that. Because he's like, he's monologuing. Finally, he's hitting that sweet villain monologue. I don't know who's the villain in this show anymore. I think it might be. <laughs> the 
Sorry, is it on? It's me. It's me for watching. He's monologuing. He's like, I got you. You're, you're two meters out. And then the camera pulls over and she's just got a gun. <laughs> right. She gets the gun from his dead partner. And he goes like, that's not fair. And she fucking shoots him. And I was like, okay, I'm, in. I'm back here. And, and, and it, cause it was so, it was just so goddamn funny. Cause it, this guy, it just, just the panning to her with the gun was so rad that I was like, okay, I can stick this out. COVID vaccine is now fully integrated with me. I'm feeling much better today. Shit's, shit's a little bit funnier. Let's let's ride. Whether that was a good choice or not, I don't know still. Continuing. But that shit, I would say look up like Lucy Bondo fight if you don't look at anything else in this anime. Just for that moment where she just clowns this piece of shit asshole, by the way. Total piece of shit <laughs> asshole. It sucks. I hate him. But he is also time. the only consistent character in the entire show. He also has maybe the funniest line in the show later, too, which I'm looking forward to getting to. There is, sorry, one more thing. Too. He's got a couple great lines. <laughs> there is another thing I want to mention, just so really, I'm sure yeah. we've grilled this home to each other as well as anyone who's listening. I was instructed to take notes as we do these, uh, watch the episodes for the podcast, for the recording. And I'm going to take you through my notes until I gave up. <laughs> yes! In the first episode, because we have already sort of left first. I just want to make sure I get this out. So I'm going to read specifically what I said to you. So I'm sitting here. The music's going crazy, like classical music going over the intense blood, you know, bloody scene. So I literally write out, dog, this is intense. Next thing is getting a crossfade from elf and lead and a COVID vaccine is not recommended. It's not. Vampire weekend ass soundtrack while a naked chick sends armed guards to super hell. Why? And then a real note. Oh, why doesn't she kill this certain character? And I make note of a sort of like, you can see a bloody handprint on his back. So, you know, she doesn't kill him. I had some guess about who she was going to end up being that was wrong, but the name was almost right. And at some point, once she's done pissing herself, I uh, finish my notes with, there are too many fetishes colliding. What the fuck? Oh, right. I forgot about the pissing. That's right. She does piss Uh, herself in the first episode. It's again, Catgirl says new. She's shorter. We're drawing her shorter. We're doing everything we can to show you that this character is not Lucy. It's different. We're going to make you. Let's have her piss herself in a very choreographed and well sort of shouted out. She's going to piss herself moment. Insanity. It's cringe as hell. Insanity. If you were looking for fetish anime, look elsewhere because this this will check all your boxes, but not in the way that you were hoping. I swear. And I've watched weird kinky anime. This is not it. Yeah, I was like, wait. I was hoping. No, no, no. This is not, it's not it's it. Really There's nothing sexy about Elfin Lead, which is wild for the amount of animated tits in this show. There's nothing sexy about it. A, because no, no, absolutely not. The Diclo and I are way too young. But also, no, it's just not appealing. Uh, which, by the way, the characters, the main the, characters, the main ones, not the I think obviously. The, I think they're supposed to be either 10 or 12 during the festival sequence. So they're like 18 to 20. I'm okay. fairly certain because they're going to university. Right. Okay. So, yeah. And like, again, like, again, the the, the main ish character, I guess, Lucy. Mm-hmm. 
escapes the everything the anime does to to make her not sexy. You know what I'm saying? Like she barely makes it out though, because the show is literally like holding a nickel between your knees. There is nothing sexy <laughs> about this show at all. This is the Destiny Two of animes. Oh my you god! Try try fucker, you won't find any sex appeal. Now Lucy, Lucy's is is kind of hot, you know, in a vacuum. In a vacuum, and also because you know I got shit wrong with me but outside of that you know there's like that color was it like vanta black or something I'm, i know they yeah. like absence of light it's like the darkest color like this was like vanta white this was like vanta <laughs> this was like vanilla extreme we've de-beaned your vanilla bean it is it is a pale white snowstorm of you know a very there's a deluge of nothing. The absence yeah. of sex. This is abstinence education, as a matter of fact, I think. I think uh, so, yeah. It's so unsexy that I, if I never had sex again, I would feel like I was coerced into that direction by this show. That's fair. That's a reasonable reaction to have to this show. It is so sexless. It is negative sexy. And remember, friends, folks, everybody, cousins. There's not a single episode in this that I think doesn't show an animated boob in some capacity. Which is insane. Like, that should be, like, it's like the freest. That's free. I'm hole punching that because I don't want to count it. And I'm losing in almost every, I guess, B I. Yeah. You know, are still in play, but (laughs) going down the column and end is now just impossible. So, continuing on with the events that happen, Mayu saves Bondo by giving him a tourniquet on his arm, and then she runs off. She ends up getting taken in along with her dog Wanta by Yuka and Koda after Yuka recovers from, or after Koda recovers from another head injury because he does suffer a head injury from Bondo on the beach when he goes to try to save Lucy. It's wildly inconsequential. This is around the point where Yuka slaps him. They adopt Mayu, kind of. They let her live with them. She ends up getting sick in the next episode. This is the one he skipped, by the way. So here's why we skipped it, because there is five minutes of content and the rest is gross. Here's the content. Mayu gets sick. She goes to the hospital. Koda and Yuka go to pick her up. They get hit with a surprise medical bill because you have to pay medical bills and Mayu doesn't have parents. Mayu feels guilty and runs away. They find her and learn that it's her 14th birthday that all this tragedy is happening on. So because they're such like double extra good people, they buy her a small cake and celebrate her birthday. That's what happens in the episode, which is bookended by going through two eight-minute assault segments and a five-minute plot about Mayu temporarily running away from home and then getting adopted. So we skipped that episode. It's just, it's just, it's like, and this is the thing that it, that made me, I'm, I'm sure there's like a drinking game for the amount of time to say this is the thing. But, <laughs> there's a lot of things in this show. There's a lot of things for it to be this of. As the show goes on, I I could kind of overly put the effort in to justify some things and whatever. But as the show goes on, I I started having less issues with the premise and more issues with just the writing, divo- like divorced from the characters and setting. It feels like someone who just doesn't have any like real world experience. Like it, f- it feels like someone wrote these characters where they had to be the women especially can only be abused and then jealous. That's it. Like those are pretty much the only two They're only two states characters outside of of course our lovely Mayu Tumbleweed who rolls around into every other character from that point on to introduce them. Like it's almost more like what was that game Katamari 
So it was less of a tumbleweed and more, well, you know, they stick to her and then they she rolls yeah. them back in. But so she's spared needing to be jealous, I guess, whereas everyone else, it's... Nana is also not jealous, but we'll get to her. And the whole Mayu and Nana thing is a separate thing entirely. And I don't think that was on purpose. I think they kind of just like accidentally wrote two decent characters there. Yeah, by the end of it, I was just sort of like, I think you could have given this to anybody else and they would have made a better anime. Well, yeah, because know. it happened several years later when the Duffer brothers decided to remake it as Stranger Things. They, you know, they kind of do their own thing. Like, I, I, I think like this yeah. anime, this, this, it's just sort of like, I, like everybody is abused or an abuser. Like, you know what I mean? No one was really like, or you're just in the middle of it. But again, even the main character is getting punched because his cousin is jealous of Catgirl. Not even that. He's getting punished because of his trauma. He's getting punched, sorry, punched because of his trauma-induced amnesia. And she gets punched while he has a head injury. It's crazy. Some of the show was uncomfortable and not for the reasons they wanted you to be uncomfortable. They want you to be uncomfortable from like the gratuitous violence and everything. And it's like, it's whatever, I can deal with that. Even if it was like seriously intense. What's what's upsetting is the way that it's like, there's no comeuppance for any of the people who are dog shit. Yeah, the gratuitous violence also is so over the top that it's just funny. It's comedic in how over-the-top it is. Uh, there's a scene we're going to talk about later that like, I know was, was too much for you. We skipped it. But it's so poorly executed. I may have let out an involuntary chuckle when I was watching it. By the end of it, that's what it does. The, it, by the end of it, I uh, was laughing at certain kills because like, you, you start to expect it. There's no nuance with it. There's no yeah. bait and switch. Never, it's never for a good reason. If they've been introduced in a previous episode, they're functionally immortal. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. This whole shit with, with Bondo happens. He gets replacement robot eyes and a robot hand. And... <laughs> <laughs> we we get the best subplot of the entire show purely for his delivery the insane delivery of an insane line can really elevate something in my opinion and that happens here he finds out that the diclonai uh which by the way i think i've said it but i don't think i explained what the fucking diclonia says diclonai are the weird cat horn girls that have psychic powers that show up throughout the show. That's what a Diclonia says. The way that they reproduce, they poke someone with their invisible psychic arms and that person's babies are gonna be Diclonius. So because Bondo survived his fight with Lucy, he needs to be sterilized. He's not okay with this. <laughs> and so he has not, not just one, but multiple rants about why does the fate of the world hinge on my balls? <laughs> Literally couldn't have happened to a worse character. You know what I mean? I'm so glad that he got his nuts chopped off. Which doesn't actually happen. Because remember, before they do that operation, they give him his cyborg upgrades and then he busts out. I already blocked that out. Wow. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So he busts out of prison, which is just a research facility, and he gets some guns and he goes to fucking have a fight with Lucy. This is less than halfway through the anime. They will not re-encounter each other until the very end. <laughs> the research facility sends out another Diclonius named Nana, who is a very, very good child. She's very well behaved. They send her out to stop Lucy. So she goes out, she finds Lucy, and just gets absolutely fucking owned. They meet 
They have some anime-ass banter. They fight for like two minutes. Nana brags about the fact that her vectors are longer than Lucy's. And the delivery is not as cool as they clearly wanted it to be. And then Lucy's just kind of like, yeah, that's nice. And beats the fuck out of her and cuts off her arms and legs. Right as Mayu shows up. Mayu gets slapped into a tree and thinks the whole thing is a dream. The the president of the research facility is like, yep, Nana failed. Fucking kill her. And the director decides to secretly save her life and give her a bunch of money and prosthetic arms. Every time a character with vectors talks about their vectors is delivered in the same way they talk about their Schwartz in uh, Spaceballs. Should mention terminology from the show because the brain rot is so extreme that I keep thinking that everyone has seen it vectors are in the names for their invisible psychic arms she's like ha my vectors are longer than yours and literally the one of the fight scenes in space balls is i see that you like schwartz is growing or something <laughs> your schwartz is as big as mine schwartz is as big as mine it's like okay but that was a that was a parody right and this is a, a straight down the middle anime as far as i can tell it's really confusing because as a parody comedic anime this shit would slap oh god yeah so that all happens and then some shit goes down lucy runs away again koda koda and yuka go looking for her yuka falls in the mud and and gets gets mud on her butt and we get like six shots to this and I don't know why it's really unnecessary and then right after this she sits on Coda's lap and kisses him and he kisses her back and then Lucy slash Mew shows up Coda says hi to her because they were out looking for her and Yuka gets immediately mad I can't even I'm confusing the times there's another time where she falls and then she gets mad because oh right that was right before that yes right before Lucy shows up yes she falls and gets mad because Coda sees her underwear and it's like you two were just making out what the fuck she just fell like and i i i again in my small frame of reference i know there's lots of like anime or anime adjacent shows where there's girl gets embarrassed and like slugs antagonist but usually they're done with like a sort of sense of humor this is an entirely humorless humorless yeah. Humor, humor. Well, the show's a fucking joke, so it's all entirely humorous. It's a humorless, like, she just, like, hits him. He's just like, I don't understand what's happening. And it's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, neither do we. It's wild. And that, because it's not over yet, is it? No. No, it's not. There's still so much more to go. Because Nana, she gets given prosthetic limbs. Because, again, no one who makes it past their first appearance can die. She gets secretly shipped back to the island by the director, who she refers to as Papa. Which, you know, was never borrowed by any other media ever about small psychic girls. People borrow things all the time. You know, stranger things have happened. This is true. Shortly after that, she runs into Bondo. And he has cleared the beach of all debris. My guy was like a full-on good Samaritan. Like, there's not even a Coke can around. In preparation for his battle with Lucy. So when Nana shows up, and he's like, Haha, you can't do shit to me. Because there's no debris. The way that she gets out of this situation is she takes her prosthetic arms and fucking clocks him with them. She throws her arms at him. She literally throws hands. And that's the thing that's crazy because I can't even remember. Like, and I, and I know I should, but like the, the whole thing is like there's like this decently paced thing where it's like viewer knows that her vectors are longer because yeah. they've talked about that a thousand times. Bondo doesn't. So you're kind of waiting for the moment where this, this one's different. And then she just throws a hand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So- 
So that was actually like a really fun and funny subversion of expectations, right? Yeah, another accidental success. The the entire interaction with Nana and Bando is one of the funniest moments in the entire show. Somehow things surrounding Bando are funny as fuck. Even though he is a deeply despisable character, he seems to be the epicenter of the only humor that works. Not two minutes after this fight, Nana offers to help him kill Lucy and goes to shake on it and reaches out her arm to help pick him up and uh, her prosthetic arm pops off. <laughs> and it's such a fucking gut-bustingly well-done moment. It, I think we both laughed another at anime. Yeah. yeah, it definitely belongs in another anime. You are right yeah. about it's like we were starting to realize that it's almost like this anime's characters were almost metaphors for it, the anime itself. It's like, oh, you got this main character who has two very separate personalities. And it's like, yeah, and it feels like we're watching a show made of two entirely separate animes. Because yeah. some of the humor is amazing and some of it is awful. Some of it is not well executed at all no. or doesn't belong. So like every now and then, you know, that was basically an air bubble that would keep us breathing <laughs> through this fucking, you know, torrential downpour. <laughs> Yeah, be, you know, you'd have the, the fucking sonic drowning music going, and then one of us would be like, oh shit, oh shit, there's a good moment, a good moment just happened, oh thank god. I, I can't remember, and and because I, I made a note of one of his quotes, and it's listed under episode, who fucking cares, because at some point I stopped asking questions. Oh, and I'm about I to just get say, to I okay, know the good. Because you heard me. I was just saying, like, never mind, it doesn't matter. Nothing matters. The show has introduced the concept that nothing matters. Thank you. I don't know if it's nihilism or nihilism. It doesn't matter because nothing matters either way. So who cares? Yeah. But it's definitely turned me into one. So we fell fully down the nihilism rabbit hole. We're ready to give up on the show. It's about to go into its last couple episodes when Bondo meets Mayu on the beach uh, as she's walking to school. And he recognizes her as the person who gave him the tourniquet. And <clears throat> he writes down his phone number. Oh, this happened before the fight with Nana because he ends up giving yeah, Nana the phone number. Because nothing matters. No, no, yeah, and they repeat so much shit. Like this could have been a six-episode anime. But he writes down his number and he's like, "Hey," okay. he wrote it down. And to the, yeah, the, and I was able to get it down. Uh, he writes it and he says, "Here's my number. Call me if anyone gives you trouble. I'll fucking kill them." <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, Ten-year-old, thirteen-year-old girl, and then not two minutes later, he's like, "Hey, do you know a girl with horns?" And she's like, "Oh, you mean you?" And then he starts torturing her. And then they do the unthinkable and actually have her reference giving her a card to stop someone from bothering her, and she uses it on him. And I'm just yeah, like, she fucking Uno reverses him with his yeah, own I phone number. I couldn't imagine them doing that. I, I really couldn't think, because I was like, oh, why don't you just use it on it? And then she does it, I'm like... And that moment belongs in a funnier fucking anime. God. Uh, which thankfully brings us to the ending cavalcade of this show, which ends up covering five episodes, but could be covered in two. We get Anana and Mayu becoming besties and Nana being like, hey, Niu is actually Lucy and is going to kill everyone. And Mayu's like, nah, she's cool. And Nana tries to fight her. Everyone gets mad at her. Nonsense happens. And she ends up clocking Lucy so hard that Lucy flashes back to when she was a child. And she's living in an orphanage. She has no friends because none of these children act like actual children. They're like, oh, you're a freak because you have horns. She finds a dog. The dog becomes her only friend. And then a girl at the school is like, hey, I'm going to be your friend. And she's like, okay, cool. And then she tells her friend about the dog. If the bully 
police ever find out about that dog, they'll torture you. And then five minutes later, tells the bullies about the dog. They kill the dog in front of Lucy and she proceeds to turn everyone into sashimi. And then five minutes later, she meets Koda and he's like, oh my God, your horns are fucking rad. Which is a thing that a child would actually say. Yeah, I, d- I just skip over the, the, the dog murder part. I have, a, I have a very strict no dog murdering rule. I don't think you can ever really tell me that's necessary. You know, kill all these people off whatever, I guess, you know. But like, it's like oh, we're going to make you be a dog. And it's just like, you're so edgy. You're just so edgy. And On some it level, is, this has to be escapism. And, and it's already unnecessary. You know, they're already tormenting Lucy. All you have to do is have them, like, kick her, and that be the thing that snaps. It doesn't have to be so over-the-top as the dog. Or just take it from her. Yeah, even if they had just taken it, that, and, you know, that ends up triggering her murder spree. It's it's unnecessary. It's one of the things that the anime is most well-known for. Is it really? Yeah, that was one of the things that kept popping up when I was, uh, when I was looking up some, some research on it, is, like, that was one of the things people knew about it. Uh, also, fun fact. Uh, there is an entire section on the fan wiki under the controversial topics tab that is just dedicated to Yuka's existence. Oh, really? Yes, because she's because everyone hates her. And this is the thing: there were things I just I, I enjoyed parts of this anime, even though it did feel a lot like more of an ordeal compared to to what we had j- watched previously. Because that was like. That was over too quickly. This felt like it took years. Yeah, this took forever. As this one went on, it it becomes exhausting. Because at some point, you're sort of like making your peace on different things. Like you're parrying the things that are wrong with the fucking anime and trying to enjoy what you can. But it becomes, even talking about it, it's like, oh yeah, Yuka, yeah. yeah." It's because it's like miserable. Any character that you could enjoy gets just the worst treatment. You know, any moment of joy is immediately sort of like removed. And a lot of it, it it ends up just being like, I'd say 50% or more of the show, you could literally just have a black screen and with white lettering that just says the word plot is happening, flashing. That That's all it was. There was no like connective tissue that was enjoyable. It was like homeless girl runs into the next thing. Nothing happened. Happened. Nothing mattered. Nothing. The, a, a huge chunk of this anime, I'd say about half of it, can be replaced by my single favorite gag from Dragon Guard Three. Oh, uh, which is after the first boss fight. So you down the boss, and then a different character like goes over and actually finishes killing her, but is really working out some of his issues while he's doing so. And the screen cuts to a block of text in a nice green field with super deformed chibi versions of the main character that says uh, the following content has been deemed unsuitable for pretty much anybody. Please stand by. And that's half of this show. Look, this show reminds me of Drakengard in the ways that it fails to come anywhere near the heights of Drakengard which I will talk about once we get through the summary. Basically, Koda and Lucy become friends and do normal kid shit. Meanwhile, it keeps cutting away to Lucy just fucking murdering families so she has a place to sleep. She's our protagonist. They go to the zoo, they go to a pond, they hang out, and he mentions that he is leaving. You know, Lucy has a line about like, oh, this is the best day of my life. I'm never going to have another day this good ever in my entire life ever. 
And he's like, yep, I'm leaving after the festival tomorrow, but I can't go with you. I already promised my cousin I'd go. And the first time this happens, she goes, oh, is your cousin a boy or a girl? And they get interrupted and he doesn't answer the question. And then the second time she goes to ask it and she spaces out. She tries to choke him, which he's remarkably cool about. And then the third time, what was that, Jesse? Hell yeah. I said, hell yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Can you take me? You can give with this fucking anime. I don't know. Uh, so yes, she she definitely awakens a lot of things in Coda. You know, uh, with the horns, he's doomed to be a furry. He's into choking. Like, there's a lot that's going to happen to him when he is an adult. And that's then, f- sorry, real quick, that's what we were talking about. The most the most cursed person on this show. <laughs> Because for everyone else out there who needs that checkbox, who needs all that thing, who who needs a certain like slice that hits all the fetishes, we have Elf. What he needs? We have Elfin Lead. He is in Elfin Lead, so he will never have Elfin Lead. He's (laughs) the one that all this stuff is happening to, who is going to have all these awakenings later in his life at an appropriate time, but he will not have the anime to to fall headfirst into. And (laughs) for that reason, he is the most cursed. This is the, uh, what's the, I don't remember the name of the clown from that joke, um, where it's- Pagliacci. Pagliacci, you know, what what is it? Uh, He goes to the doctor, oh, you gotta see Pagliacci, that'll make you feel better. But Doc, I'm Coda. Yeah. (laughs) He is the elven lead. Oh, Yeah. And then third time's the charm. Uh, She asks him if his cousin's a boy or a girl. And in a smarter anime, they would have backed off after the first two and not made him seem like a weird dickhead. But instead, he lies and is like, oh yeah, my cousin's a boy. He's legitimizing the fact that it's okay, you know, be macking on your cousin. Yeah, I feel like there was like a brochure dispersed throughout this entire anime of being like, uh, so, you know, let's just normalize that. And again, if you uh, are somehow in the very, very, very narrow overlapping Venn diagram of people who listen to this and people who are in love with their cousin, that's cool. Good for you. That's your business. I, I'm not trying to do that. But I'm just trying to tell you that this anime really really has there's no b plot other than the b plot being so we all have romantic feelings towards our cousins right like that's it like it's just sort of like constantly trying to slip that note under the door and again it's not even cool it's absolutely wild does does he tell her though the third time she asks when he finally says oh my cousin's a boy is that after she was choking him yeah so to the character's credit i would probably have lied then too because it was a good day for the most part, and the choking began. And he won't realize until later that could have been a sign of a good day. But <laughs> in this circumstance, uh, he, uh, he was probably like, "Oh, didn't she just like sort of like space out and like try and kill me?" And I was like, "Cool about it." I mean, she's like seems really stuck on this cousin thing, being like really obvious that she's hoping it's not a girl. That's true. That's true. But as a and as a dumb kid, he's like, "Oh, he's a boy," not considering that they're going to see each other tomorrow. So again, that was a pretty accurate i thought i thought that was a very accurate play that was a real moment in a little kid not figuring everything out there but figuring out just enough when the stranger on the bus tried to kill him uh and then they go to the festival well koda and yuka and kanai and koda's dad go to the festival kanai is koda's sister And Lucy sneaks into the festival. And while she is staring at Koda and Yuka hugging, some motherfucker just 
barrels in general. <laughs> I'm sorry, but the show has to. I, I, Jesse pointed this out already, but this show has to make every single human being by default so fucking vile so that it can make it can make Lucy seem redeemable by the end of it. Yeah, they maxed that, her out. So that when this dude is like walking and sees a child, he fucking pushes her face down into the ground, insults her and keeps walking. And then five seconds later, another dude comes up behind him and also yells at her. And then two other ladies are like, oh, wow, this poor child is mumbling to herself after getting fucking clocked. She must be on drugs. And then she snaps and starts fucking dicing people up. And Kanai sees this and runs over to Koda. And everyone thinks that it was a bomb that went off. And everyone runs away. They go to the train station. We get a moment where Yuka and everyone else are saying goodbye. And we we very prominently get a shot of Lucy doing the fucking Batman pose up on a hill. <laughs> oh, and then <laughs> she's doing the she's doing like the main guy in the Volturi like we're yeah. looking down in Rome down <laughs> peasants she's hitting one of those looking down at them like this little 10 year old girl it's insane and then moments later she will be on the train with everyone you know we got this shot because she had to have been in the train car first because they don't see her and they would have seen her get on well I mean unless they have been on like a different door in the back right and it doesn't matter because then we get pushed off the raft, you know, uh, Titanic style. But um, like I'm clinging to it because it's like, well, OK, by the show's own logic, what happens next happens so close to the character's dad. And he didn't see that a door That's opening true. is immaterial. You know? <laughs> That's true. That's true. But regardless, yes, she does go from Rome Volturi style to uh hitting the snack card on the uh the trolley yeah which is by the way one of the best shots in the entire series but before we can get to that we have to cut out of the flashback back to the present where we're introduced to the actual scariest diclonius who has 26 vectors within 11 meter range who is actually a baby child who is the daughter of the director who we were told was dead but wasn't and they put a bomb in her she kills some people, so they blow up her arm to make her understand that they mean business and that they have another bomb in her. And they're like, okay, you're going to capture Lucy and kill Nana. Because halfway through writing, they were like, oh, the president of the foundation is also a Diclonius, and he's not hes not trying to cure it. He's, he's trying to make it so that all of humanity becomes Diclonius, which you don't need to capture Lucy for, because that's the thing she's going to do anyway if she's let loose. Do they even reveal that until like the end end? I know no, they, they reveal it. They, yeah, they reveal it at the end of like halfway through the last episode, but... God, it, it makes no sense because all they had to do to accomplish that goal was literally nothing because Lucy was going to do that on her own. Oh, and and part of what we skipped to the, the president's son tries to there's a reveal. Oh, yeah. He's a, 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 a George Clooneyus and he uh, he gets his shit rocked. And then yeah, the, he tries to assault Lucy for a very important scene as well. Uh, his assistant gets called over to this island they're all on right oh my god and she's there and and she's kind of just trying to describe what she knows she had like a delivery or something for them 
And then he pulls a gun on her. And he's like, you know too much or whatever. Or... The delivery was his son's head, by the way. Oh, yeah, the delivery. Yeah, it was like his son's head just in a bag. Just and I think my favorite part of it. My favorite part of it is her dialogue during that. Because she opens it up going, I should probably express my condolences or whatever about your dead son. But I'm like really tired. Yeah, I just want to go home. And then she pulls a gunner like as if it's like some sort of threat. And then she's <laughs> like, what's going on? And then he shoots her in the arm and she's eating like crazy. Yeah. And she shoots her in the arm and she's just like, ow, like straight up sort of like an ow. And then like falls over as if she's about to die and then hits the ground and then starts monologuing. Uh, I don't know if I know this kid that you're looking for or whatever. And then does the, the most textbook this character has died moment. Now for me, Sean, the arm possibly blood loss or, you know, who knows, but it was just an arm shot. So she was, you know, just winged dies and then gets up. And also the best part about the arm shot, it's like clearly the outer portion of her arm. And then she's in a, Wool of blood. <laughs> She's in a pool uh-huh. of blood. She does everything. Like if there was a Wilhelm scream of dying, it would <laughs> and then stands up and responds to a question. The animators stopped giving a fuck. The translations, they don't give a fuck. The closed captioning, it no one was giving a shit. They were spelling Koda's name with a U O like Hanukkah, <laughs> where there was four thousand different ways to spell it. And they're all, I guess, technically correct because nothing matters. Again, nihilism. It's <laughs> because and then we we have achieved that now you can be shown in an episode you can be killed in the episode and then you're you you get up well yeah because she she was introduced she was introduced in a previous episode so she legally can't die yeah and and then the show's like no watch let's test this theory shoots one of its own characters (laughs) says does the eric andre why would anyone do that (laughs) she dies from a non-fatal wound and then gets up and it's like no, it just nothing matters at that point. The show's like, please let us show you. And there's nothing special about her. She's not a, a Diogenes. She's not a Bionicle. She's not any fucking semi-related words. She's just there. And she, yeah. it's like some of the worst. Like, and you start noticing, maybe you notice it more after that point because that's so like egregious. Scenes just seem like they're either in a permanent loop being reused or out of complete order. So back to the the almost done, extremely thin plot, extremely thin plot of Elden Leaf. Oh. We uh, <laughs> we end up with a big bridge confrontation because the the sequence of events that leads to this. By the way, I need to I need to make sure we go through this in order here because they didn't. New sees that Coda is sad. Mayu explains Coda's tragic backstory. To Nana. Mew runs outside, cuts her hair, pretends to be Coda's dead sister, and forgives him for whatever it is he said to her on the train before she died. Which is so insane, which is so goddamn insane that they are like, well, hold on, we gotta reel it back in. And then they have again our sweet little tumbleweed Katamari explains, yep. like, oh, she's cut her hair and is pretending to be his sister so she can forgive him. Like, like literally just spells out the, like, scene notes. Like, the part where it says, like, on, like, an iPod where, where people <laughs> iPods and it says, no uh, engraving, please, and that gets engraved. That was the person <laughs> reading this shit in the parentheses, right? Yeah. Shout out to my friend for reminding me of that joke. Like, uh. Kokoda reacts to this instead of, like, crazy, goes, oh, yeah, you're apologizing about the shell you broke. <laughs> 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 and, and and he hugs her and yuka sees this and runs away for the 85th 
billionth time she sees like a like a platonic moment yes there's a couple that, that don't seem platonic but for the most part she sees a completely platonic moment or doesn't even see anything at all and and is just like why is he so worried about her i don't know because you encouraged him to adopt these people in the first place but whatever uh, <laughs> big normal hug big normal hug and everyone apparently is aware that she's dressed like a sister so she should be aware of that too drops her groceries and walks away girl get a new hobby or get a new rider and then then she i guess runs like counterclockwise around the island and and then nana is like i'm going for a walk and then Koda is like, oh no, Yuka's missing. Mayu, if, if Yuka comes back, tell her to stay here. And he also runs counterclockwise around the island. So they, they miss each other. Nana knocks out a bunch of people on a bridge off screen and ends up confronting the other Diclonius who has been dropped off at a bridge in a wheelchair to kill her, to kill Nana. She kind of just like beats the ever-loving fuck out of her for a couple minutes. It's wildly uncomfortable to watch. Not even a cool fight scene, literally just a child getting smacked around by invisible hands. It's gross, and I don't love it. The character literally has already been established, all of them, that they can kill instantly. There's no... They don't even do the the the, the duty of showing, like, well, you know, uh, uh, di- Diclonai, Diclonai, whatever, are resistant to each other. That never happens. It literally just is like, anime, we're going to just punch her instead now to end this thing's life, and we're supposed to. The plot is literally demanding it, and it's like, God. And yeah, because she's uh, holding the idiot ball, this gives Nana the opportunity to turn off her vectors because that's Nana's special ability. No other Diclonius has like a unique special ability, by the way. Just Nana, because she's, I guess, the secret protagonist of the show. But anyway, she does that and gets thrown off the bridge for her troubles, where she gets picked up by the director who has abandoned the research institute and also fixed up Bondo's arm that got broken previously and is like, hey, Bondo, I need you to kill all the other Diclonai except for Nana. Whatever. Fuck it. Why not? Because Koda showed up on the bridge after the Nana situation is resolved, of course, Mew is following him. And she shows up. We get to finally finish Coda's flashback now because Lucy starts wrecking everyone's shit on the bridge in what is actually a decently cool moment the first time it happens. She's just like ripping dudes apart again. It's much like the first scene, except everyone she's ripping up is kind of an asshole. So like it doesn't have that weird cognitive dissonance for once. And then Koda has a flashback to when he's on the train and he's calling his sister a liar because his sister is saying a little girl with horns was murdering people. How she knows that Lucy had psychic powers and was ripping people apart, that's a mystery. But I guess she read the scene notes. She she watched, <laughs> she saw with her own eyes a girl standing there. That's it. You know what I mean? Because the, the arms are fucking invisible. <laughs> so- it doesn't even make sense. No, it's wild. And then Lucy's there. Coda is like, hey, apologize for saying my friend is a murderer. Otherwise, I will hate you forever. And slaps her. Lucy sees this happen. And I guess it's like, oh, he doesn't love this family. (laughs) And just fucking pops his sister like a balloon. Oh my God, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Which is followed immediately by his dad getting up and being like, oh, son, what's going on here? And before he can even process what's happening, his head gets opened up like a champagne cork code is like why did you murder my family i thought we were friends <laughs> and lucy drops 
honestly a banger line. We are friends. That's why I let you live. So good. So good. Great. Perfect. That's how you build up a villain. Except she's supposed to be our protagonist. So I don't know what the fuck's happening. You know, I feel bad for him. For Coda? No, me. Oh. I feel bad for him. Me. I feel bad <laughs> for me watching. I feel bad that I saw all this. It, it, it's it's the, the end of this shit unravels. It just fucking unravels. Like the many bodies that strewn across the grounds of this. What do the fucking subtitles call it? Because they don't say the name of the island correctly. They keep calling it like inertia. Yeah, they keep calling it inertia instead of Inoshima. Which is it, technically, yes, I am continuing to watch because of inertia. <laughs> Because I'm forced to. Because I'm standing on a fucking rock going 10,000 miles per hour or whatever the fuck. Everything I do is inertia influence. So you're watching this garbage <laughs> anime and trying to find uh, the, the, the redeeming qualities of, of corn in the shit nugget. Uh, I, yeah, it is inertia. You know, honestly, like, because by the end of it, it's so taxing. It is so much because, like, you're trying. You're you're sitting here thinking, like, okay, I, I like this, I like this, and so much is bad. At some point, it diverges. You suddenly just you're okay with the premise. You're you're hating the anime because it's not it's not doing anything that like media should do in its way of like communicating, and it's it's all falling apart. By that point, you start cheering on all the kills. Yeah. Like, it, it's not even a like, oh, that's so badass. There was one where the girl literally wheelchairs out of the fucking room and like the guy does like a cool like <laughs> like all like four pieces of him break off at once, spinning on different like axes. And it's just like, oh, hey, yeah, that was a good one. Because at yeah. that point you're just like, oh, okay, at least they're being creative somewhere. Yeah, you're you're looking for anything that can spark joy. And that's the closest you get is seeing limbs twist off in interesting combinations. Yeah, I was debating asking to skip the family murder scene because sometimes I'm a little bit more sensitive to that. I don't, you know, it's like the dog thing. And I cause, and I even asked, I remember I was like, they're not going to pull any punches. They never do. They're going to kill the family in a gruesome way too. That gut <laughs> intrinsic feeling that I have in my human body here was usurped by the moment of me laughing at his dad's head being popped off because <laughs> of how stupid it was. Because because of his his dad's dumbass sitting so close <laughs> to the scene of the crime, which was literally crime, which was literally the scene, which was literally his daughter like snapped in half like a like an overeager ecstasy user at a fucking rave break stick and all the juice goes everywhere and his dumbass goes hey what's going on like you said my brother in christ you're in the fucking car that is empty outside of the people affected by this moment you saw what was happening you negligent father you know what's coming out here right now but look, we're gonna go with and the scene doesn't even let him oh my god the scene is moving so fast maybe by its own inertia at this point because again it feels like the fucking show is actually falling apart with how fast scenes are going <laughs> doesn't even let itself do its normal dipshit stuff that it's set up as like an accurate premise within this universe where he goes oh my god his head just explodes <laughs> what? he doesn't even get to you know what? as a matter of fact it was it was the only person who received any sense of fucking uh of a uh, mercy was him because he <laughs> was so unaware of his daughter getting ripped in half that he didn't even even get the thought from his fucking brainstem to the rest of his body before his head was off. So he literally blasting this motherfucking quote-unquote protagonist's dad sees is, huh, I heard a noise. What's that? End of block. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. Oh, my God. There's a moment before all the shit goes down 
where where Koda and his sister are arguing, and you can see down the train car, and you can just like see in the background the little tuft of pink hair from Lucy. It's actually really well shot, and in a better, spookier anime, would have been deeply foreboding. And not, like, causing me to have little preemptive chuckles over how ridiculous the ensuing scene is. And, uh, yeah, it was it was a perfect scene except for one thing where we were in, like, the fourth consecutive continuation of the same flashback from different people's flashbacks. So it's not like, oh, shit, she's going to get them. And, like, that little taste, that little tease right there is how you find out. It's sort of like, oh, this is the fourth episode where we've seen this train car no shit she's sitting there the show kneecaps the potential of the the artistic direction there and it's and, a, and it's still a great presentation regardless but the show god i i what did you say there's a clip show in a 12 13 and episode anime there's a clips there's a clip show and i wasn't kidding it's half of an entire episode is composed of flashbacks to other episodes <laughs> and honestly if it feels like there is some context skipped they're we're working with what we got the show really is styrofoam in some places it's just <laughs> material there's nothing here where it's like oh yeah we forgot to say this and this kind of justifies it this is an entirely unjustifiable premise within an unjustifiable show i think yeah and but the I, worst part is that the the premise on its own and i'm gonna like basically repitch the show after we're done going through this and it's gonna sound halfway decent but yeah as it is Holy yikes, dog. So back to the present day. Coda comes out of his flashback. Lucy has murdered a bunch of people. And he's like, holy shit, you're the one who murdered my family. She's about to say something. And he tackles her to the ground because Bondo has climbed up onto the bridge and shot at her. And they have a moment of like a meet cute blush. Mind you, he's just come out of the flashback. He watched her cut his sister into three perfectly even segments. Nah, my boy's built different. That's it. <laughs> I've done the same thing. I've done the same thing. I'm attacked her. She's like, wow, saving me. Thank you for saving me from that bullet. I'd be like, what bullet? There ain't, ain't no one else here but you and me. <laughs> <laughs> like, i remember seeing the like little blush and i'm just like i'm already watching if i'm watching this i have already done everything i can do to buy on to your terrible premise I've, I've already accepted the unlikely nature of this why are you doing this why are you doing the blush i already <laughs> i already think they're gonna smooch i already think that you've already fucked with the dynamics of what's possible to make a relationship i, I i've already bought into it you don't need to why are you gratuitous also the be cute like the blood and everything and also the like and it's like why are you fucking kid i don't need more of that characters with no superpowers get full screen time of getting the shit kicked out of them terrible things happening to them and 75 percent of the fight scenes are off screen so bondo has climbed up onto the bridge and the weirdest most unsuitable chase music starts playing as bondo and lucy start a benny hill chase sequence where lucy shouts at coda meet me by the stone steps and starts hoofing it while Bondo is chasing her with guns that shoot bullets that uh, she can't deflect. She does not know this, but she has opted to run away. She uses her magic arms to throw herself over the bridge, and Bondo just fucking yeets himself over the bridge to chase after her. Because 
I get that the show is literally a cartoon, but it's also like a fucking Looney Tune. The other evil Diclonius, I forget her name, and we just watched this. It's, uh, it's like a marsupial or something. It was something with an M. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, so so she's like, yeah, I'm going to kill Lucy. And then we cut to the last episode. In the last episode, it opens with the entire Bondo-Lucy chase and fight having resolved off screen. And Lucy being like, hey, I'm gonna let you live. Deuces. She uh, kills incredibly indiscriminately throughout the show. Really legitimately, there's she, she's just a killer. She doesn't kill one of the biggest piece of shits on the show. There's no reason. There's no weird backstory. I guess you could argue that, you know, oh, Coda is like aware of her now. And so maybe there's some sort of like suppression of the voice that you never hear from again, by the way. Sorry, that was me slipping into being in the universe. <laughs> where every fucking character talks like this behind every word. If you want to hear the same level of gasping, go listen to Absolution by Muse and listen to the breaths Matt Bellamy takes between every vocal take. It'll lean that forever. Great album. Oh my Holy God. Fuck. Holy fuck. When you listen, it's like, <laughs> and you're just like, take a breath, take a fucking breath. But she spares Brondo, Bondo, Brondo, Brankston. No one matters. The names, the names, the fucking names anyway. Melvis. She, she spares Melvis, one of the least deserving characters of any sort of uh, mercy. And if I remember it, once we're at the end of this, the, the, everything had does reinforce one po my point that I have taken from this show, even though the show has not offered it to me. Yeah, so she fights uh, Melby, the last okay. Diclonius. Marion Barry, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she fights Marion Barry. And every rule of the show gets broken at this point. <laughs> Lucy has a specific range of how long her psychic arms are, except now they don't matter because she apparently has infinite range. And the, the Diclonii can sense exactly where one another are, except for now, because there has to be a fight where she needs to sneak around because of fucking spider wheelchair girl. The Diclonii can kill each other really, really quickly. And that's what that's what Spider Diclonus wants to do, except uh, as soon as she breaks Lucy's horn, uh, one of Lucy's horns, she's like, now nah, we chillin'. You're in a coma for a minute. And again, the show, its it just really does seem like they were, I don't know if they were running out of time or whatever. They set up this little scene of her doing like a sneak behind and then she gets <laughs> shit slapped anyway. So they break the like sort of rules they set up for no outcome. Literally just a cool shot. Then Nana shows up with uh, the director and Nana gets absolutely fucking clocked like in a second there's no she doesn't even get a, a word in this poor girl she just gets brutalized throughout the entire show and she's probably one of the sweeter she's the only sweet diclonus that we meet she's like a genuinely good kid her and Mayu are, are genuinely sweet kids and they just get bullied yeah Marion Berries is like hey I'm going to kill her, Mr. Director Man, because you're my dad and you let her call you Papa. And he's like, hey, what if instead I just be your dad and we leave? And she's like, that sounds good. And he pretty much like looks to the other scientist guy who's there and is like, hey, I know the director has contingencies or the, the president has contingencies implying, hey, blow up the bomb. And the little 
baby Diclonus that he's taking away doesn't seem to understand this, even though they make a big deal earlier about them being like really intelligent, regardless of their age. And like she already knows that there's a bomb in her. So she probably should have known what was up. You know, what's you know, it's crazy. I was thinking, um, you know, they have hands that can go into other people's bodies and remove things. <laughs> you could remove the bomb from herself. I feel like I bought a battle pass. Or maybe that's where the rest of the show, like, that explains it, is hidden behind, you know, microtransactions and DLC. There is the the side story OVA that covers another happy day that Lucy has that's, that explains why she doesn't kill the director in the beginning, but also undermines her whole, like, I've only had this one happy day ever, because she totally does have another happy day with this other girl who she becomes friends with. So four or five amnesia plots then got it. Yeah, there's there's almost half a dozen amnesia plots in a one dozen episode anime. But yeah, he he walks off with his little his little bundle of joy. Yeah, and and then gets gets the the blast, gets the super uh, the super blast, and then of course something happens right then. Yeah, he gets uh he gets uh like a a life flashing before your eyes moment but it's of uh it's of the life he could have had i guess i don't know shit's fucking absurd and then like lucy and nana are just like vibing and or no sorry first nana goes to leave and the scientist guy is like ha you're the last diclonus i'm gonna kill you and then lucy explodes him uh and then lucy's like all right nana go live with coda uh go do what i can't which is weird because Lucy clearly is in control of her own actions and emotions now, but she's like, nah. Yeah, it goes from new to yeah. Honestly, the whole thing's too, it's funny there too. It's like, I actually kind of respect the sort of like clarity in that moment. Go have the life that I can. Okay, sure. You're saying that with a little bit of blood on your face that you, yeah. you know, I can't have this life. And it's like, if you never killed anybody, you could have. Because this show decides that there's no commentary at all. There's nothing interesting that happens. Like, there's no, like, humans are the real monsters. There's no, oh, she's only a monster because she's reacting to the monster, the humanity. Like, that's there a little bit, but it's also sort of, like, delivered in a way where all the characters are completely not human. Now, and don't get me wrong, even my naive ass knows that humanity is continuously garbage. But this show is sort of just, like, it feels like animatronics in the way it portrays human cruelty. It doesn't feel like hilariously. It. it hilariously undermines itself too, because yeah. it it totally could go that route of like, oh, humans are the real monsters. Lucy is only this way because she was tormented as a child. Except we find out that before she was thirteen, she murdered several dozen people. I there is something here though, and I, I've never seen John Wick. But <laughs> if you can excuse the premise of John Wick, I think you have to excuse this premise of this show as well. Uh, I mean, I know that John Wick does more of a, these are bad guys who killed his dog. And it's like, okay, but it's sort of the same. And uh, but show me, show me what, uh, you know, Keanu Reeves looks like in the later days. If he's got like, you know, black striped socks on, if he's looking good, maybe I'll, I'll go that way. But for now, uh, <laughs> really, um, I wouldn't even need to do the whole setup with me like going 120 in a car and then hitting the brakes and going through the front window <laughs> into her abs. I could literally just like be like, need a place to stay? I have a house. And then she just cracks my neck open. This is true. Yeah, she would do that for you. But bring us home. Bring us home. I've been uh, yeah, we're, too much. We're almost done. I can see the finish line. 
you know, I'm a drowned woman in the desert here. And so she and Coda meet up at, quote unquote, the stone steps, which could have meant any number of things. Because this place was not significant for them in the past. I thought it was the stone steps where he lied to her. Like, I really thought that's what it was. Like, I thought it was just another bad moment that the anime was offering. <laughs> because there's so many times where they talk about the stone steps, and it's literally that same staircase from the beginning of the anime where, like, she's like, oh, my God, we're cousins. I want to fuck you. And, like, it's, yeah. it's it's so I thought it was, like, there because they do show that same staircase when they're kids where she asks him for the, you know, 40 billionth time. <laughs> So uh, yeah, your 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 cousin who's a female that your female cousin she's is she female? Because again, that is what she's doing. That's where I think they are. I thought that's where they were. It might have been. It doesn't matter though, because everything looks the same and is reused. So go, yeah, just the same. Yeah, because because at this point we've run out of budget and we need to fucking wrap this yeah, shit the, up. This shit's taking place in the fucking cul-de-sac of Ed, Ed and Eddie at this point. Like they're just <laughs> borrowing panels. You can see Chuck Jones's fucking signature at the bottom right. The Foghorn Leghorn's foot isn't about eighteen of the fucking frames <laughs> at the ending. I think she's like, oh, by the way. I'm genetically predisposed to end humanity. Uh, so the only way we can be together is, or the only way I can have a world where I'm comfortable is if I fucking kill you, Coda. And he goes, nah, that's cool. And they make out. And then that's she's the like, realest moment for me. Like, <laughs> whereas Bashi, was it Bashi, Bashi, Bashi the Rock yeah. is entirely full of things identified. The only thing I identified was that moment <laughs> in this anime where I'm like, I bet. And then. And then she fucking she dips, and she's like, "I'm gonna go die." And she walks to like a blockade of soldiers, despite having like murked all of the dudes that she's run into up to this point. We get an off-screen dying shot where like her horn gets shot off, and we see it fly up into the air in a cutaway. We don't actually see a body or anything because, well, because we saw Lucy past one episode, so she's actually immortal. Mm. And we cut to an unspecified amount of time later, and everyone is vibing at the inn slash hotel. They're making the dinner they were going to make before the finale happened, and there's someone at the door. The dog is barking. Coda goes to answer it, and you see the silhouette of Lucy, the <laughs> and the music box that Lucy likes starts playing music, and the grandfather clock that she's working on fixing starts working again, and... Um, remember how the Diclodi had arms with a specific range and not literal psychic powers? And then it cuts, and that's the end of the show. That, like, implicitly Lucy survived, and she no longer has horns, and she's vibing, and she's come back. Um, yeah, and then the fucking, that, that terrifying clock starts working. Yeah lifts itself up from the ground and walks over to the code and says, I'm here to talk to you about the Avengers initiative. And then it goes to fucking black screen. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Actually, that ending would have been fucking rad. I wish, God. The... There's a lot to unpack here. I feel like we did a lot of it during, I, I couldn't help but interject on so much of this one because it's like, there's parts of me that it's sort of like a lot of times a bad meal is still cooked with good ingredients. Yeah, there's still you know? moments in this that work. And a lot of times cooking it does ruin it. It does ruin it. even if the ingredients were good, whatever, it's some that combination. And that's what it feels like with this is like I I felt myself 
it was a weird bell curve from going like legitimately we had a discussion whether we were going to watch the rest of the series and just do an episode based on the first episode because it was so unenjoyable i i, I like my I, I like what i just said about the, the the meal reference i had another one written down that i wanted to say which was this show feels like the equivalent of people who leave comments on internet recipes <laughs> like, oh i love this recipe uh i switched out the sugar for cheddar cheese and the ketchup uh, instead i used dog food uh it tasted like shit <laughs> uh, four stars right you know what i mean like where you're just like yeah it's it's all laid out for you i feel like there's some things in here despite there being no real message being slammed like i really i know there's the what did you say the the, the director said it's supposed to be a love story the writer said it's supposed to be a love story or something yeah the, the yeah. writer said okay. it's supposed to be a love story yes it's a cousin love story and that was not interesting thanks for that there's so much here that i actually thought well here's the fucked up part it's not even supposed to be a love story between the cousins it's supposed to be a love story between coda and lucy i i know I, and i think a lot of things in the show the, the problem is when you when you dive into the meaning of chaos in the meaning of there being no meaning you you flatten it to the point where you can find meaning in everything which is good and bad and for the sake of reviewing animes i, I don't know i i know i'm giving way too much credit to it i the, the the takeaway that i sort of had to dig with my own hands out of this you, you've got this this kid with all this repressed shit and the more i watch the it's like it both lends itself to this and showcases that there isn't one. So it's hard to like say, like, I feel like the show's doing this. But my takeaway that makes me feel like it was all worth watching is that Lucy is just the personification of life isn't fair. And all the things that happen in the show do reinforce that intentional or not. Uh, the only person who gets spared is Bondo. Nice characters get the shit slapped out of them. You don't get to even the viewer doesn't get entertained by entertainment. You don't get to see any fucking real fights. They're all off screen. All you get to see is literally the worst things happen to the best people. The worst people survive. None of it makes any sense. So it's like all this nothingness. And so you're, you get to participate almost in this strange fourth wall break where it's not satisfying. People die for no reason. And, you know, that's reality. It is a reality. Uh, there's no rhyme reason. Like beautiful, lovely people die every day, and it fucking makes no sense, and it's never fair. And you put that into this humanized monster, and you have this person who is directly affected by it embracing it, not forgiving it, because again, embracing the reality of life where everybody dies and people die for no reason doesn't change that that happens. And he very much does say to her. I can't forgive you. You killed my family. Like, which is one of the realest things this fucking asshole says on the whole show. But I also can't let you go. And again, he does say, I can't, I don't want you hurting people, but he also needs her. And a really weird thing is it's like, she is both the, the absence of meaning and just reality itself. And in his acceptance of her is accepting that. I mean, that's something I struggle with. I don't, I, I, I live in a fucking la la land sometimes when it comes to, you know, death and, and bad things and whatever. And so having that is a, one of the biggest acceptances you can find in your life. And I think that's good. I just, I struggle with the fact that I don't feel like the anime gives a shit about that and that it's this anime giving me that sensation. <laughs> uh, my takeaway really should just be that adult Lucy's crazy hot. Uh, I got to find a new therapist and um <laughs> you know anime but like 
if I needed to find some deeper meaning cobbled between there's, there's 26 letters. Every word is made out of the same letters. So I guess are they all equal in value? I don't know. I, I want that to be the takeaway. I wish that's what the Santa was saying and, and maybe I'll, I'll pocket that. But the more we watched, I was feeling like, I don't the fuck you want me to take away from this. I think it is interesting that you mentioned that. And I think it has something to do with Elfin Leeds weird popularity in the mid 2000s. It was an era sort of before for widespread pop culture media literacy. Mm. You know, you look at the pop culture landscape of when Elfin Lead came out and the pop culture landscape now. And back then you've got, you know, shit like House and Numbers as like the major primetime TV shows and like CSI. And then on the anime front, it's mostly stuff for kids. And then Elfin Lead comes out. And Elfin Lead is not only like gritty and hefty, but it states its thesis openly and repeatedly through either our Katamari homeless girl or through extremely ham-fisted metaphor. It creates this very uh, approachable sense of media literacy. And I think that's part of why it worked so well when it came out and why it has fallen so very far since then. It plays into that read of Lucy as a force of nature, as an allegory for bad things happen at random. And I think it, it does reinforce that point. I think that's a really, a really strong point. And one of the things that has, you know, let it have as many defenders as it does nowadays. Now, granted, some of the responses I saw for why is Elfin Lead good while I was doing research for this, some of them were, um, some of them were not good. We'll just leave it at that. I just, I'm, I'm wondering if going through this process of, you know, I mean, even narrowing it down to just anime, if I'm going to find some of these same themes in better packages, you know? Oh, you will. Yeah, and I will. And then I think the thing is, that's kind of sad is that it'll forever only diminish this anime. And I mean, it's like, it's not sad in the sense that like, oh, it deserves this or that, but it's like it feels like a waste in a, in a way like there's something there and well it just wasn't well executed and like I, in a weird way i wish it had I, I don't know it could just be a me thing i i i attach easily to characters that happens in games it happens in stuff like that maybe and if if it really is like oh the whole mastermind of this anime is getting the viewer to be attached to the character of lucy and that's where it's like you know it's sort of like ingenious and it's like i think that's worthless because I think I'm just bringing that to the table and being like, this didn't feel like an anime of like limit testing your fucking sympathy for somebody. No, no. And no I would anime say, is just clumsy. And without going, obviously, specifically, there's enough going on in the world where I think you can test that on your own. And if you are immersing yourself in the things that are going on, that'll test your, your sympathy. That'll show you how you can be sympathetic and also disagree and so again i don't feel like this anime was was doing the heavy work on that though so i no. uh, lucy just hot maybe yeah i think i think that's <laughs> kind of where where it's coming from especially because of how clumsily this this show handles the uh everything it, yeah. there's so much wrong with it but we had to watch it as the as the second series because you're right. It does get surpassed by pretty much every single show that does things like it. And we will be watching some of those things. 
putting Elf in lead after any of them wouldn't have been fair. There would have been nothing to find redeemable about it. Yeah, I think we talked about this a little bit. I think that as as sort of like the whiplash that I received from having this after an incredible anime, uh, where else were you going to put this? If you put this one in session one, you would have replaced me with a different co-host. <laughs> in the, later in that, I would have been like, "This is why? what the fuck is this? This needed to sort of be in a place where it would feel dissonant in the same way that the anime itself feels dissonant and um and i mean it's good that we have sort of i mean we can rip on this thing and i'm glad that we're also approaching it though from a sort of heavy air quotes but academic look because ideally there's something worth learning and everything and i'd say ultimately it doesn't feel like a waste having watched it i just kind of wish they'd have done more with what there was I feel like the same story, you can remove characters entirely and it's the same story and then you could replace them with better characters and then maybe get something better across. I don't know. Shockingly, I, that already happened once. This is a, an over 100, uh, 100 book manga that uh, that got adapted into a 13 episode anime without really dropping much of anything. As it went on, I became, I felt like I could sort of excuse the characters but like i couldn't excuse the way like the anime like structurally was occurring it was like things just weren't like you if you saw if you could somehow remove the characters and just look at the like direction of the moving parts you would say this is a bad song this is a bad movie this is a bad tv show this is a bad anime blah 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 if you could somehow separate it and then obviously you can't so you put that in and it's like okay categorically it's bad but like I mean, there was parts where I was like, okay, this character is how it is. You, okay. The way the scenes moved were bad. This, the way that they'd set up their own shit and then have to verbalize what was happening because they set it up so poorly. It's like, you're making it. You're the one making it. Why are you trying to like... It, it looks like someone else took it and had to like mix and match it themselves and used it to the best they could. And there was just pieces missing from the box. Yep. It's, it's absolutely unhinged. So... If you have to, uh, you know, a uh, hot girl with vectors to your head saying you need to you need to put this on a tier list from S to F rank. Where does this sit for you? Well, there's there's there's, there's something I want to say with a hot girl with vectors. There was only one hot girl with vectors. Yeah. Okay? No hot girls yeah, yeah. with vectors. Okay. I'm not go go to school. Rest of you go to school. <laughs> Rest of you do something else. Lucy, okay. Oh, uh, <laughs> I was talking about me, but yeah, no, sure you do. Okay, well, I would say I've never seen vectors, and oh, that's the point. Yeah, okay. Uh, right, D. Yeah, I don't think it's an F. I don't. I think something that would end up in an F would have to be barely watchable, or something that I've pulled the eject button on. You know what I mean? I don't know what yeah. an eject button does. I think that would actually break it and then you'd go down with the ship. But uh, pushing the, uh, you know, pull tab or whatever, uh, it's a D. I, I think it, it, the execution ruins any of the the potential good things there. But there were some things that I thought kept it from being an absolute waste of time. There were parts that were boring, but it wasn't a boring anime. Uh, there were parts that were good, but it wasn't a good anime. I think I'd, I'd land around that same spot. I think... The first episode is actually like a B minus for me. There's a lot in the first episode. Like if you cut out the last five minutes of it, where you know, new pisses herself. The the first episode is like a good B minus. You know, 
it's it's really strong and then there's five minutes of dog shit which is so funny to me because like excuse me without I'll, I'll have to watch it maybe again which is insane but watch it without being under the the effects of protecting myself against various illnesses uh to see but i was like when we were talking about pulling trigger i was like this is an f and the weird thing that happened was that it got better as it went on but it actually got worse as it went on as well <laughs> in the sense that it started to pick up a little bit for me and then there were parts that were so just like not a like not good i don't think it ever would have left d but it definitely started to go to the the, the lower God. reaches of it. It's not enough, but it is. See, what's what's funny is that, like, to me, the first episode, like, the, the first three quarters of the first episode, or the three quarters, first, yeah, the first three quarters of the first episode really appeal to the, like, grindhouse gorehound horror movie lover in me. Mm. Which I get we are very different on that front. But there's something about like how just like visceral and brutal it is that if it was going to be a horror anime from the perspective of the monster and we just like follow Lucy on a rampage, I'm in on that. That could have been a killer fucking show. And that's what it feels like for the first chunk. And I'm in. That's a solid B. And then she gets shot and she loses her memory and that loses some points. And then we meet Koda and Yuka, and we lose more points. And then pretty much from episode two to episode eight, it's like a strong F for me. And then it goes back to like a D plus C minus and averages out to a D. Great point here to to do your your repitch. Oh yes. So if I had pitched this as an anime about psychic murder girl gets taken in and cared for by an amnesiac innkeeper whose family she had murdered years prior that's a that's that's an interesting anime i'd watch that that sounds tense that sounds juicy yeah that doesn't have to to teach anything you know that just is interesting on its own you can work from there the core is really good there this is not that pitch (laughs) this is not that anime (laughs) this is the other chart, of course, we do every episode, too, was, was there a Yamcha death scene? And in this one, there was not. There was no so Yamcha we're death one, scene. We're one in one on that one so far. Well, uh, who knows? The next anime we are watching actually has a lot in common with Dragon Ball Z. And it's a nice palate cleanser. Okay. Uh, there is, in fact, a dragon involved in it. It is a, I recently learned this, a two-episode OVA. I thought it was just one episode. But it is called Dragon Half. And I'm curious to see the second episode of it with you because I have only ever seen the first part. I, if in full full honesty, I cannot be as excited or like open minded as I was at the end of last episode because I didn't know what Elfin Lead was at all. I think if you go back and listen, it's literally me being like, "Oh, I think I know that name, but yeah, I don't know anything." Cool, cool, cool. Uh, you were I, so young and innocent. <laughs> been, um, I've been beaten the hell up off screen. And backhanded on screen. So uh, th- th- this is nothing against your taste. I actually think you have really good taste, but I will be going into every anime a little worried now. That's that's good. That's the way that I approach anime, and it's really served me well. Having just like a little bit of paranoia, really, it helps the shakes. <laughs> I would love that's a, Well, okay. I like that. Uh, I'm hoping that we can... <laughs> I'm hoping that the majority of some of the tropes or things presented in this uh, anime uh, will pop up in later animes and, and done well 
uh, I, I guess I'm open minded enough to say if you can find an anime where someone pisses themselves and it doesn't feel as awful as it did in this anime, I'd be willing to see because holy fuck. So I don't know off the top of my head a bunch of piss anime, but I can probably reach out to some people and get you a list if you want. Like if that's something you're into, I probably know a guy. I feel like everyone probably knows a guy who's like uncomfortably into piss anime. This anime already put me on the wrong side of of, of cousin cousin love, okay? <laughs> I'll sit there and let you fucking cousin love me on the side of pissing.